Nineteen years after she ran away from home, thirteen years after she married a stonemason, twelve years after her daughter was born, and eleven years after she got out of prison and pretended to put the past behind her, Jane Poole sat at her desk in the history department office, surrounded by travel receipts, supply requisitions, and reimbursement forms, spring rain pounding the window behind her, and stared in shock at an email. It wouldn't have looked unusual to anyone peering over her shoulder. It would have looked like spam. That's where she'd found it, the spam folder. But it wasn't spam. It was from her. Jane knew this despite the anonymous, clearly temporary email address, OVBXVZ7TDRBQTC1LXQS at VBR.LA, and the innocuous subject line, Prescription Drugs via UK Rail, Lowest Prices, No Wait for Approval. She wouldn't have opened it if not for UK Rail. That's what meant it was from her. The contents of the email consisted of one line of text and one image. The text read, no appointment needed, no waiting, call today. The image had been hidden from her by the email client, leaving only a small broken image icon beneath the text. She moved the cursor over to the icon. The words load image appeared beside it. Her finger hovered over the mouse button. If she clicked, she could see what had been hidden. Instead, she took her hand off the mouse and hit the delete key. The email disappeared. Jane involuntarily gasped. Sweat had broken out on her face and under her arms. She stood up, and her chair rolled backward and crashed into the bank of filing cabinets. Across the room, Lydia and Carmen looked up from their computers. Are you going to the commissary? Carmen wanted to know. Can you get me a scone? Uh, I wasn't. No, actually. Yes. Yes, I can get you a scone. Current, please. Cranberry is a last resort, not the one with the figs. Got it. All I have is a 20. Can I pay you after lunch? Anytime. Jane drew a deep breath, smoothed her sweater, and slipped her bag over her shoulder. She walked to the door, opened it, and entered the hallway. Students hurried past her on either side, about to be late for class. Their shoes squeaked on the linoleum, wet with tracked in rain. This building, Seddon Hall, was 150 years old. It was drafty in the winter and roasting hot in the summer, and on rainy days, it felt as clammy as a big canvas tent. History occupied the second floor, with philosophy upstairs and the dean underneath. And below that, in the basement, the commissary. She took the stairs. Students sat on them, gazing at their phones. Jane was 35, hardly old enough to start bemoaning the habits of youth, but she could not understand the students' obliviousness to the space they took up. They sat on the floor outside professors' offices, with their legs extending across the hall, and looked shocked when you asked them to move. They blocked doorways with their enormous backpacks and spread their possessions over as many chairs and tables as physically possible. And then there were these two, the stair-setters. It was like they wanted to be kicked. Excuse me, she said to the two girls in her way. 
She couldn't go around them as the custodian was mopping the stairs. He clearly was annoyed with them as well, but perhaps had hoped they'd move of their own accord. They didn't look up. Kids, Jane said more loudly now. You're blocking the stairs? One of them craned her neck to look up. She blew a lock of hair out of her eyes and said, you can go around. Get the fuck up, Jane said, now. She hadn't heard this tone of voice come out of her own mouth for years. Not since Chance insisted that they enter therapy to talk about her anger and its effect on their marriage. It was the voice that had frightened their daughter. The one Jane deployed when her bare foot was jabbed by a wayward toy or when she was pestered too long for a snack. For much of her adult life, this voice had been a vital tool in her defensive arsenal, a warning and a threat.